So today I'm continuing the series on Paul's letter to the Philippians. Um, So just as a quick recap, Paul is writing to the church at Philippi, which was his first church that he set up in Europe, um, and he's writing from jail, probably in Rome. So he wanted to thank them because they had sent um, him a gift, um, along with a person with the gift. So this is his sort of letter of encouragement because they were facing a lot of opposition, um, as you can imagine, with any new thing set up, but a new church. Um, and he wanted to just really encourage them. And this particular portion is about how they should put their confidence in the right place. That's a good slide. I feel very pleased with my slides. Um, but that's not putting my confidence in the right place. So I'm just going to read from the NIV. No confidence in the flesh. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same thing to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Next slide, please. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Powerful stuff. But if you would bear with me, I'd love to read you the same passage in the message, um, which is a a more um, colloquial translation. So it's to know him personally. And that's about it, friends. Be glad in God. I don't mind repeating what I've written in earlier letters, and I hope you don't mind hearing it again. Better safe than sorry, so here goes. Steer clear of those barking dogs, those religious busybodies, all bark and no bite. And they're interested in appearance. Knife-happy circumstances, I call them. The real believers are the ones the Spirit of God leads to work away at his ministry, filling the air with Christ's praise as we do it. We couldn't carry this off by our own efforts, and we know it, even though we can list what many think are impressive credentials. You know my pedigree, a legitimate birth, circumcised on the eighth day, an Israelite from the elite tribe of Benjamin, a strict and devout adherent to God's law a fiery defender of the purity of my religion, even to the point of persecuting the church, a meticulous observer of everything set down in God's law book. 
the very credentials these people are waving around as something special, I'm tearing up and throwing out with the trash, along with everything else I used to take credit for. And why? Because of Christ. Yes, all the things I once thought were so important are gone from my life. Compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master firsthand, everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. Dog dung. I've dumped it all in the trash so that I could embrace Christ and be embraced by him. I didn't want some petty, inferior brand of righteousness that comes from keeping a list of rules when I could get the robust kind that comes from trusting Christ, God's righteousness. I gave up all that inferior stuff so I could know Christ personally, experience his resurrection power, be a partner in his suffering and go all the way with him to death itself. If there was any way to get in on the resurrection from the dead, I wanted to do it. It's powerful stuff, isn't it? So um, what, what I wanted to say was, I think basically Paul is giving the church um, ways to face all the opposition that is coming to them from many quarters. And he's beseeching them to put their confidence in the right place. So I thought actually he had five tips to make sure that they put their confidence in the right place. So please, tip number one, rejoice in the Lord. It's a command. So if we talk a bit about that, um, Paul actually says nine times to rejoice in the command. I'm sure you're familiar with that, rejoice in the Lord. And I say again, rejoice. And you might think it's all right for you, Paul. And then you think, no, it isn't actually, you're in prison. Fair enough. Um, you know, he was in prison and that was not a happy place. Um, I think being in prison, oh man, it must have been absolutely terrible. Um, and so I think why he's telling us this is a really important thing that we take seriously, this command, to look at what God is doing and to be um, joyous in our current circumstance. So um, what he was doing was indeed that when he was in prison in verse I mean, sorry, in chapter 1, it says, oh, you might think I'm in prison and it's all gone terribly wrong because I can't get on with doing Christ's work and spreading the news. But no, it's not like that at all. Because I'm in prison, I'm spreading the news here. You have to say that he is looking for the good in his current circumstances, isn't he? And he's looking to see what God is doing in his current situation. So I think we should take this seriously, actually, to look at our current situation, to remember who God is and what our purpose is. Look out, whatever difficulties we're in, or whether we're in a season of joy, look out for what God is doing and work out how to join in with him. And then even if it is really tough, know that where we're getting our strength and comfort from is from a God who loves us. So that's tip number one. Now, we go slightly into a sort of a dog-related topic now. So, I'm sorry, I just thought that was quite funny. Avoid dogs. Always a wise. Yeah? No, no, if you like dogs, don't avoid them. Um, so, what Paul is talking about here, in quite harsh language, I think you will agree with me. Um, he's very lightly talking about Judaizers or something of that 
I think that's the way. I said that right. No, Judaizers. Anyway, people that were Jews that converted to Christianity, but either they were falling back away or they were kind of saying, oh, come on, let's do it how we used to do it. Let's circumcise people. Let's follow the law. Really, he was just tra- those group of people were, were really taking away from what was going on in the church. Um, and basically, I thought it was really interesting that Paul says, avoid them. He doesn't say, try and put them right or invest in time trying to convince them. He says quite clearly to avoid them. They're taking you down the wrong path. They're preventing you doing what you're meant to be doing. Instead of putting your confidence in Jesus, you're putting it in something else. And I think actually we need to look out for this, don't we? I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on at the moment. And I think it's tempting to actually, instead of avoiding the stuff, which is putting us off the right track, is to get too involved with it. Um, I think we need to think, what would Paul warn us about currently? I don't know the answer, but that's a question for, for you to ponder. And the way that these um, Judaizers are described, it's their character and their conduct that Paul has got the problem with. And I think perhaps we need to look, are there people whose character and conduct is currently distracting us? Are there people that we spend time with and really it's not time well invested? So number tip, tip number two is avoid them. So I'm not saying don't ever go and speak to anybody else unless they're absolutely perfect. I'm just saying it's something to be careful about. So we're on to tip three, which is where I felt I was very much going into a dog-related talk, and that's don't trust your pedigree. But (laughs) I pull back afterwards. It's all right for people who don't like dogs. So don't trust your pedigree. Um, I mean, it's brilliant what Paul said here. Basically, he's saying, look, I've got a lot of reasons to boast here. Um, He was circumcised. He was out of the tribe of Benjamin, which apparently is one of the better tribes. I don't know if anyone here is from the tribe of Benjamin. Well done if you are. Um, But he was not boasting of that at all. In fact, it was the opposite. Um, And I think sometimes it's tempting, isn't it, Um, to put our trust in who we are, where we come from, what our um, background is. And this is what he's talking about when he's saying about putting your confidence in the flesh, which I think is a funny sort of fleshy type comment. Um, So what does he mean by the flesh? It's really when we are thinking about things that are completely aside to the spirit of God. It's who we think we are or who we are aside from God. That's what he means when we're putting our confidence in the flesh. When we're tempted to trust in anything other than Christ. So yesterday, I was lucky enough to go and see the funny ABBA thing in London, you know, where it says, I had to look it up because I wasn't quite sure how to describe it. It says, ABBA are blurring the lines between physical and digital. So it was so weird because you knew they weren't there, but half the time you thought they might actually be there because they look so real. And then at the end, these people came on. I had to say to my friend, are they actually here or are they they're not real? Sometimes... Things which, and they did appear fabulous, I should say. I mean, and then I thought I'd appear fabulous if I'd been 
digitally upversioned. So I'm sorry you've got the actual real version of me. <laughs> Maybe in 20 years' time. <laughs> they were all a lot taller in real life. They look fabulous. Anyway, do go and see it if, you <laughs> if you're so inclined. But it's very tempting, isn't it? Something looks really fabulous. Oh, it looks so shiny and wonderful. It's sorely tempting to think, actually, that looks a good, solid thing. I'm going to put my trust in that. And I'm sure, on a more serious note to my ABBA fabulousness, um, watching the Queen's funeral this week, that was super touching, wasn't it? And the service was absolutely amazing. And I just was thinking when I was um, reading this about don't trust your pedigree, I think the Queen had a lot of reason, didn't she, to trust in her pedigree. She was a very powerful woman. Um, she had, you know, the position um, of royalty. She was known in the world. And I thought what um, Justin Welby said was wonderful, wasn't it, about people um, of loving service are rare in any walk of life and leaders even more rare. But what was so notable was in that funeral is where the Queen had put her trust. And that although she did have all the um, state stuff going on around, um, actually it was plain to us where she put her trust. And it was particularly moving. I don't know how much you watched of it. I sort of watched a bit and then got on with life and then watched a bit at the, at the end. But when um, she was up in Windsor and she was finally being buried and that they took the crown away from the coffin, that's quite significant, isn't it? You know, in her last moments, um, the crown was, was nothing to her. Um, so I just thought that was an amazing example of somebody who could have been surely tempted to have put all their confidence in who they were, aside from God. Um, but it was wonderful to read um, how much she valued everything that she read about in the Bible. So I thought that was a, a glorious thing on Monday, and well done to Justin Welby. Um, so I think, yeah, don't trust in your pedigree. Don't trust who you think you are. And when we're tempting to do it, just don't do it. Right, tip number four is not at all dog-related, but I can't remember what it is. Oy. Oh, yes. This is all about reminding ourselves it's not about earning our place by doing the right things, by following the law. I mean, Paul says himself, doesn't he? He followed the law to such an extent, you know, that it led him to persecute Christians. Um, so it is a freely given gift from a gracious and merciful God. And I do think it's such a temptation, isn't it, to feel almost a burden to be a good Christian and not realising that we've already been given the gift. And I enjoyed thinking about who he was writing to, because it's tempting to think when you hear he's writing to the early church that they're in a building, in a nice building, but they were in Lydia's house, weren't they? The seller of purple cloth, I assume. I'm... I'm just conjecting that from Acts 16. So Lydia, herself a businesswoman, um, she had known what it was like to be converted. And then you hear about the slave girl who was telling people's fortunes, who had a miraculous conversion. 
And then the jailer that Paul was with when he was in prison in Philippi, you know the story where, um, you know, God just miraculously caused this earthquake and Paul walked out of the jail and the jailer and all his household were converted. I just think those people there would have been looking at each other and going, yes, it's not about toil. It isn't about what you do. It was an amazing act of God, full of grace. And for those people as well, knowing Jesus is personally transforming. It wasn't about following the rules, doing the right thing. It was about knowing the love of Jesus that was transforming their lives. It's brilliant to think of them all reading this letter, isn't it? So just, yeah, be careful. I think it's so tempting, isn't it, to think I'm not doing enough, I'm not correct It's all about grace. And finally, I think I've taken a liberty slightly here, keep our eye on the prize. So, when you think about what Paul is saying, he counts but loss, it was a lot that he lost. We don't really know exactly what he lost. We don't know about his relationships or his financial status. We can only um, begin to imagine that. But he thought that no cost was too high because of Jesus' inestimable worth. I mean, when you think about who Jesus is, that he was there at the start of creation, he's the cause of our salvation. I mean, you could say he was, of course, the most intelligent person that ever walked the earth. Um, we can think of nobody else who was more loving than him, nobody else that was wiser. We know his character, and we know what he's done. So I think when we think about that, rather than what we have and what we've done, it becomes very little indeed, doesn't it? So I think it is a daily battle, really, to remind ourselves about who we are putting our trust in. And I think there's a number of ways that we can do that. I know for myself, I can easily veer off and get distracted. Um, But the more that we spend time thinking about Jesus, reading the Bible, building each other up, praying, seeking to know him more, there's no better thing to do. And so I wonder maybe if you're perhaps struggling with that, thinking, well, actually, I know I do. There is a cost and I'm not prepared to pay it. I think the more we read the Bible, I don't know about you, when you read the Bible so often, you think that is amazing what's in there. It is amazing what's in the Bible. So I would just encourage us all to keep reading the Bible, to try and learn more, to seek to understand and to know this inestimable worth that is available to us for, for, you know, for free. So, and the other thing, I think, is to meet up with each other, to build each other up, to talk about things that are going on in our lives. I think that's so encouraging, isn't it, when you meet people for prayer, over coffee, you hear stories. Um, I heard this great story recently, which is definitely on the random spectrum, but I was um, away for a conference with my theology college, and there was a girl there who... So she was there from Saturday to Wednesday, and she was getting married the following Saturday. She hadn't made her four bridesmaids' dresses. Totally stressed me out, that. 
Anyway, so she stood up at the end of the week and she said, I came knowing I had to make these four bridesmaids' dresses. And so she said she was really praying, God, make me a quicker sewer. Make me a better sewer. Make me just get these things. And she said the first night she stayed up to midnight, she didn't get anywhere near the first one. Then the next day, just coincidentally, this woman sat next to her. It turned out this woman was a really good sewer. So that day, that woman joined her. Second day, somebody joined her who, for some random reason, had a sewing machine. <laughs> so basically, basically, she got these dresses made to a standard which she could never have hoped. And you think, you know, God, God had seen her. God had seen her. Now, he didn't make her a quicker sewer, but he provided everything she needed. But what was even funnier was one guy came up to me in the week and said, Sally, I'm in this really bad bedroom. I don't know what is going on above me. They sound like they're moving furniture. What can I do? Anyway, I didn't know what he could do. I said, I'll lend you my earplugs. At the end of the week, he came back. He said, I was under the room they were doing the sewing. Ignore my complaint. <laughs> but I think we need to encourage one another, don't we? We need to tell each other, you know, what are we seeking from God? What are we asking from God? What are we putting our confidence in? And let's build each other up. So really, just at the very end, I thought it would be good to spend a minute about thinking about how we personally can live with our confidence in the right place. Paul lists five different areas. And I just thought we could look at those areas, if we could have the next slide, please. Oh, there we go. Oh. I mean, that, that, that was worth a clap, wasn't it? Thank you. <laughs> I thought we could just spend time looking at these areas and really asking God to prompt us. Is there something that we could learn from this? Is there something that is holding us back? Or something that we could just really press into? Um, so I just thought if we spend a minute just looking at that. So Lord, we just thank you that we can have our confidence in you. And Lord, we ask that you would gently point out to us areas which you just would love to speak to us about, Lord, that you would love to show us what you have for us, Lord. Amen. <laughs>